it's such a, a growth thing to be like, find a mentor. And I'm like, where? I don't know, know if I've ever. I've had people who I really, really look up to at many, many stages in my life, but I've never had this thing that a like networking website would tell you is a mentor, like someone you touch base with constantly who like guides you. Welcome back to Creators Calling. My name is Matt and I'm your host. Today's guest is Wendy Liu, more commonly known on the internet as with Wendy. Wendy teaches over a million YouTube subscribers how to DIY sew your own clothes while making sewing fun for the new generation. Since starting her channel back in university, Wendy's success has been featured in Refinery29, Harper's Bazaar, Elle, CBC, Vogue, BuzzFeed, and more. We're going to hear from Wendy into how she got started, how she went full-time with YouTube. She's also going to share some advice on her creative process. Let's get into it. I got into sewing mostly because of my mom. So she taught me how to sew when I was little, but it was mostly because she sewed a lot of clothes and that was kind of our hangout time together in the sewing room. So I knew how to sew and I was comfortable with the sewing machine. But to be honest, I had so little cares about fashion growing up. Everything I wore was just like, my mom found it and it was on sale and whatever. And um, I almost never had any feedback. I think something had to be like truly hideous for me to be like, I'm not going to wear that. But otherwise I just didn't really care. And then, uh, yeah, so that's how I learned how to sew. And I would say it's a, it was a dormant skill for a really long time until I wanted to start a YouTube channel in third year university. And the reason why I wanted to start a YouTube channel was because I was watching a lot of YouTube at that time. And it just felt like everyone I'm watching here seems to be having so much fun. And I also love making videos. I also love documenting silly stuff with my friends. I want to be on YouTube making videos too. That's what the internet's all about. Like we can do it too. And so, but then back then, because YouTube was very much so in terms of how the search engine worked, uh, out um, it reflected what was going on on Google. And since on Google, the thing people want to search the most relates to how-tos and tutorials, like how to fix my sh- my clogged shower or whatever, uh, I was like, oh, I have to teach something on YouTube. And so I was like, do I have any skills that are worth knowing or are like possibly in decline? And I honestly just picked sewing at that point as my starting point as a skill that I know how to do. I didn't care a ton about it, but I was like, whatever, this is the means by which I can start a YouTube channel and start making content that people might care about. So that's where it started. And my first video was so hideous, uh, to to put it bluntly, (laughs) just so (laughs) ugly. I made like a baggy sweater and it had like lumps and bumps and all sorts of wrong places. It's like pretty obvious that I was trying, but I wasn't actually an expert in what I was doing. But uh, that kind of just kicked off a a long learning road that I'm still on because there's literally so much to learn in just this one subject. So it's been very fulfilling. It's funny because like the way you're describing this is seems so casual and almost like kind of like anyone would basically have the same feelings as you when you're first starting out and you put it out, you know, you put in all this time to record your first video and you're super excited, you put it out there and 
looking back, you thought it was really cringy. At the time, how did you feel when you first put out that first video? I was pretty excited, and I think I did a lot of things to help protect myself from being scared and staying firmly in the excited area. So I was pretty camera shy back then, and I I believed that I had pretty poor public speaking skills. I had a lot of stage fright growing up as a kid, and so I didn't even show my face in that first video, just like only my hands operating the sewing machine, and then I tried to add a bit of a voiceover. Wait, I don't even know if there was voiceover. I really just, like, the bare minimum of what I needed to put out there for this to exist as a video was my first step, and so I was pretty excited. And the comments that I first got were so, so positive. I think if it weren't for them, I wouldn't have felt motivated or encouraged to keep going. But people were just like, this is great, please make more videos. So I was like, okay. And then... Then you start to treat it more like a playground, like you start to apply your learnings. Even though I had stage fright, even though I hated showing my face, I knew for a fact that the reason why people feel connected just watching someone on YouTube is because they feel like they're actually getting to know a real human. So I was like, Wendy, you have to get over your fears and actually talk to the camera or else you're never ever going to be able to grow this if you're just some like creepy faraway thing that moves hands on hands. screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, uh, I like pushed myself to talk and I think my first few videos where I showed my face, I like spoke really quietly. Cause I was just like, what, how do I talk to a camera? Or I was recording when my roommate was in the next room and I was like, uh, definitely also don't want my roommate to know that I'm literally talking to a camera. Um, so yeah. And I think I just over time embraced that it's super painful, but this is how, I'm getting better. And I've seen that le- lesson, I've seen that lesson reinforced over and over through the years. Like when I took a public speaking course at the my first job after university, they were like, one of the best ways to improve your public speaking is to film yourself and then watch yourself. And it's so cringy and painful. But there's no other way to get kicked in the butt on like, shoot, my eye contact is really bad, or I say ums and likes so much. So it's been awkward many times, but I'm super glad that, yeah, like I really agree with what you said about it feels like anyone could have started a YouTube channel back then. People were just making random stuff on their webcams and um, there were whole channels where you literally just followed around someone's life. I mean, there still is that to this day, but back then it was just even more plain and mundane as possible. And so, yeah, it just felt like if you have something to share, if you have a spark, you can just go for it. <laughs> you know, I want, I, you were mentioning having a roommate while you're in university and you're like, oh yeah. my God, like I'm speaking to a camera in the next <laughs> room. But did you kind of let all your friends know and everyone at school or like friends and family know about your YouTube channel at first? No, not at all. And like, I think a, that's like, I've noticed over the years, there seems to be at least two very different ways about approaching starting your own business or your own creative venture or whatnot. And I very much so fall in the camp where it's like, I don't want people to know about it who are people who are like, not obligated, but like, because they're my friends, they should, they'll have to like, even if they hate it, they have to be nice about it type of thing. Um, I was like, no, I really want to know for real if a total stranger 
would like this. I want someone who like literally does not care whether or not I exist to either enjoy it or be like, this is not for me. And so I kept it a secret for a really long time. Um, yeah, I honestly just did it in my free time. Like my parents knew because when I went back to Calgary, I would spend hours locked up in the sewing room, like stocking up on footage before I went back to school for the semester. And I, I can't even remember when my friends found out. I don't know if they found out over time by accident. I definitely never made an announcement. Did I? I tried to keep it low key. I get flustered when friends are aware of the creative activity. It's very vulnerable to like share yourself. And so I'm I'm like, I can't handle friends watching this and having their own thoughts and opinions. Okay, so I do want to flush out a little bit of our story because of a lot of our listeners are in university. So mm-hmm. you went to school for a business and an engineering degree. You started your YouTube channel in your third year of yeah. university. So you yeah. would have two more years until you graduated. What was your workflow or process like? How often were you uploading videos? When were you filming? What did it look like? I might have had a loose goal of uploading once a month because it was just not realistic for me to hit anything higher than that. Uh, In university, yeah, I was doing my dual degree program, so I would just alternate workloads between business stuff, engineering stuff. I was president of a campus social club, Uh, you know, like trying to keep that resume exciting with all your uh, work like work achievements, extracurricular achievements, academic achievements. Uh, And then I think friends back then were even like, and she's dating, which I never used to think of as like a time hog. But now I'm like, yeah, 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 I was. There was a lot of things going on. And so I think once a month was the most realistic amount I could do. And like I mentioned briefly before, my system was I would go home for winter break and summer break. So a whole bunch of things, try to like think ahead and not just do stuff that's uh, seasonally relevant because then you don't want to make it so that you sew all this wintry stuff, but then you release it when winter is going away. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, once I was at school, I had all the footage. I would try to record any of the filler stuff I could in my dorm or around campus. I would try to learn what I could about like color balancing and uh, editing the footage myself. And then I would just release it. It was really like, I really don't know how I managed the time, but if my memory tells me that it was just like, as long as I found some free time, I would do it. But I definitely am still a person who prefers to work in chunks. And so I can't imagine that I would like pop in for half an hour and then pop out of the YouTube work. I think I probably most likely was like, Saturday is the day I do it or some type of system like that. I can't remember. But just knowing me, I really like to work on things when I have like one beautifully long designated chunk of time. Mm -hmm. Where you can really go deep into it and really spend your time to explore it. I know briefly you were talking about how, you know, you're very almost like fortunate to say, but like you had a lot of great positive comments starting out when you were Mm -hmm. releasing your first couple of videos at one point. At what point did you really build that momentum where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm super excited to be putting out YouTube videos. Let's get another one out there ASAP. 
Uh, definitely it was closing in on the end of university. So I'd been basically treating it as like a fun hobby for two years. And then I knew my plan is I'm going to move to Toronto. I'm no longer going to be doing school. So I'm going to have so much more available time on the weekends and weekday evenings to work on YouTube. And I didn't even have a doubt in my mind back then that like all of that free time would go towards making video content. And I felt so pent up because I could see other YouTubers who were like starting to do like upload every two weeks or upload every week and that it seems to be getting them results. And I was like, I just don't have time to operate at that level. But once I get to Toronto and I'm working, I think I could do it. So that was when I was feeling the most excited on the inside. But momentum-wise, I would I don't feel like my channel ever had one of those like huge explosion moments. It def- like I've been at it now for over 10 years. And that whole time it's felt like a very gentle <laughs> gentle's not the right word. It's felt like a very manageable climb. There's something actually I really like about that, which is that the internet sadly has a very like here today, gone tomorrow type of feeling. And, you know, you could go viral and then become like a nobody within such a short time. And I really like that I've built my audience over many, many years because it makes me feel like, oh, these people have known me for so long. Some of them like literally a decade. And this means that like they've seen me through so much stuff and they embrace not only who I am, but also they embrace naturally that I'm a changing person too as I grow And I find that a lot more reassuring than feeling like, oh, this huge flock of people just showed up and this is the one thing that they expect of me because they don't know anything else about me. I find that actually to be a bit more nerve wracking. So that's actually interesting, very interesting perspective, because I think a lot of people are like, OMG, let me SEO or like keyword (laughs) hashtag my way to like YouTube fame. Right. But for you, I still do that. Yeah. (laughs) But I just don't. And I've still tried to be like, oh, let's try to make a video this year that's like super viral. And I'll go in with that mindset. But then whatever comes out of it, I'm just like, yay, I'm glad these people showed up. And hopefully they're here for the long haul. Like you were saying, you decide to move to Toronto and you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'll get a full-time job and I'll have time. Did you have time? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I remember. Uh, the second last, the last summer before I got, I left university was the first time I had an office job in Toronto for the summer. And then I came back for my fifth year and I remembered I was in, I was just like hanging out with some friends and someone who was younger than me was like, oh, I really can't wait till graduation and working. Like I'm going to have so much more time. And just from even that one summer experience alone, I was like, you're deluding yourself. I'm <laughs> so sorry to tell you. But work life is very demanding in its own different way. Um, So yes, I did have more time in a more regulated way. Like, you know for a fact that you should have your weekday evenings free. Uh, Depending on your line of work, I think you will know in advance whether or not that might not actually be true. Because I know some first year jobs coming out of university can be pretty intense. And like knowing that you'll have your weekends available and there's no such thing as homework anymore is really nice. But uh, definitely being at work is much more emotionally exhausting than school because once you're at the office, you got to be on all day, you got to be dressed nice. Uh, you and I, 
like our university experiences were super casual. You could literally show up on campus in pajamas if you yes. wanted to yes. and like wear sunglasses in class because you're hungover and like no one, <laughs> no one would care. But at work, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. So there's a different thing where like, yes, you have more free time, but more of it is taken up like, oh, I want to socialize with some friends after work and catch up. Or like, oh, I just really need to decompress and sit at home and stare at a blank wall for a while because I'm so tired from work. So I would say overall, it was still better for me when I was working compared to when I was university. Um, But it still takes a struggle to balance it out. And I honestly was also lucky because my first job coming out of university had relatively slack uh, work time demand. It was like just be at the office by nine and then after 5 p.m. you should be able to leave. So I I did have some control, but I know not everyone ends up in a job like that. It's interesting because you're kind of saying like, and when I think about university, it's like, it always seems so exhausting because there's always like something new, something different happening. Like your schedule is mm-hmm. constantly changing. So it's really yeah. hard to like plan long-term. Whereas yes. I guess when you enter a full-time job, it's like, I know it's nine to five, Monday to Friday. Yeah. Every single week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the nice part is that it's easier for you to figure out what is your actual rhythm that you can stick to and like create good constructive habits out of that if you want to prioritize running a side thing. But yeah, being on like work is very creatively demanding in its own different way, like asking you to solve problems and step up to new projects. If you're a person who considers yourself one who has like pushed yourself and driven yourself through new opportunities throughout all of university, you probably will continue that in your workplace. And the reality is like pushing yourself at work does take the extra mile and does cause fatigue. It is very hard work. You started working eventually you you built up that rhythm you continued to pump out youtube videos at what point did you decide to make the call and go Mm -hmm. full-time with youtube oh yeah uh that was i think it was two years into working corporate and youtube was doing well as in i was making enough money to kind of like cover half of my uh, life existence expenses (laughs) and so i was like oh half like that's really promising what would it take for me to get the other half and push through. Uh, and then I also had that whole dynamic where like when I was at work, I would just be like, oh, I can't wait to get this thing done so I can go home and finish my YouTube video. And then when I was at home, I was like, oh, what if I stayed at work just like one hour longer to put in the extra effort so that my manager would be really impressed with me. Mm-hmm. And so you would just start feeling double-minded about everything. I would described it visually as like, I felt like I was on two treadmills that were beside each other, but I was like one foot on each one trying to like run and maintain balance. And I could feel like, oh, there's a potential for me in YouTube, but I'm not able to access it because I can't really like put my pedal to the metal on it. And at the same time, I'm seeing people who are getting promoted at my work. And I know if... I want to go up the corporate ladder, so to speak, I would have to really like push myself in that area too. And I'm this whole desire of mine to go home early and to spend the weekends working on my own thing is hindering the ability to do that. So I juggled with that for a while and it was, it was a bit, yeah, it was tricky. 
I think it for some periods of time, I would just tell myself like, this is the way it is. You're not making enough money yet to quit. So just keep going and see what happens in a month. That kind of mindset helped me to not feel so like despairing or frustrated. It was just more like, you just need to accept that this is the way it is right now. doesn't mean it's going to be the way it always is, but just like work with what you've got for now and then see what happens. And then finally, yeah, I think after the two years of corporate, I was just like, I feel brave. I feel like there's a lot of pressure to go for full-time YouTube because there's a lot of YouTubers in Toronto who are doing well. And I was just like, first mover advantage. I learned that in business school. (laughs) I got to get going. Um, So yeah, that's when I took the leap and I wasn't able to do without asking for some help from my parents. I asked them if they could uh, help cover that missing half for a year. And I made a deal that was like, if I make it on YouTube afterwards in terms of being able to pay my living expenses, then I'll pay you back. And if not, like, I won't be sad. I'll just go back to work and I'll be content knowing I at least gave it a solid shot. So that was when it happened. And then since then, when was that? 2015, I've been self-employed ever since then because I made it alive in the first year, even though it was super stressful. (laughs) And so, yeah, the first year was very intense. I think I might have drank like too much of the entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. Kool-Aid. So I worked really hard and on paper, I think I killed it. And I look back to that time now and I'm like, what the heck was I on back then? But (laughs) the downside was... A lot of it came at the cost of like not doing a good job, staying in touch with my family, with my friends. Um, You know, there's a bit of that type of mentality in entrepreneurship that's like, if you really want it, you have to be willing to sacrifice it all. Like, like no sleep, no friends, no working out, just like lock yourself in a cave and get the work done type of thing. And I was a little bit like that looking back. Uh, And I was stressed about money, too. Um, I think that was the most I'd ever been fixated on money as like my main issue. We would like go out to eat with friends. <laughs> I think we went for Pad Thai once. We went for, sorry, not Pad Thai. We went for Vietnamese once. And uh, one friend was looking at the menu and she's like, oh my gosh, you guys, like, can we order an appetizer and split it? And I could feel my stress just be like, like rising in my chest because this isn't in my budget (laughs) like and and like looking back i'm like that literally would have cost at most an extra two dollars but i could just i was just like i came here for ten dollar pho and i cannot afford to think about anything larger than that right now um and so yeah that was i think there were a lot of things that i'm glad by the end of that year, I was able to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like we worked really hard, but it came at a lot of sacrifices. And I want to make sure like in the future, we're figuring out a way to to do this work, but not have it like cost so much in these other things that are important to me. Now I want to start bringing this conversation to talk about the creative process when it actually comes to creating a YouTube video. Sometimes it's, you know, really hard for people to get the ball rolling. Sometimes it's like, oh, I want to start a YouTube channel. And uh, I spent three months trying to figure out what I want to release. I finally figured out what the theme of my channel is. Mm-hmm. Now I have to make a video. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they spend another three months thinking about, like, what kind of video they should put out. <sighs> what is your process for deciding, like, what video you're, you're going to release to the audience? 
Everything you've said is still literally thoughts that go through my head. And then the immediate thought after that thought is like, what the heck? I've been doing this for 10 years and I'm still so confused about what is going on. I mean, to a degree, that is the nature of the internet. It's like an always changing scene. And so it's pretty typical to experience burnout amongst YouTubers because you're chasing this thing where the rules are changing and what's popular is changing all the time. But creative process-wise, um, I think like early on, I just decided for myself, like there was somewhere where I drew an invisible line that was like, this is stuff I do and this is stuff I don't do. And so when I see on YouTube, sometimes there's so many different ways to approach what is your like successful strategy. But I think for me, I was like, I want to do this for a long time. And so I never want to do something that I can't even like look in the eyes later on and, and feel proud of. And so I stayed away from, I don't know, trying to do anything that was like too sensational or like being dramatic on purpose. I was just like, I'll try as hard as I can to be the real me and to, I don't know, try to document accurately or like not mislead anyone on what the heck is going on on my channel. Mm. And so, um, Content-wise, I would say there's almost a blissful period where not a lot of people are watching and you literally just make stuff and you don't feel stressed about like, is it going to be huge or not? Because it's like, well, so few people are watching anyways, I should just do what I want. Mm -hmm. So I encourage people generally, like if you're starting out, really just think of it as a playground or that this is like a piece of Play-Doh and you're just like poking it and molding it and shaping it because there's this tricky thing where like there might be a way you envision how it's going to look in the end but you almost like that almost can't exist unless it somehow finds some sort of like commercial success or sustainable way of existing and so there's a degree to which you may think it's one way but it's going to get molded by the public and by their interests into something else and you kind of just don't know what that exact landing point will be until you start putting stuff out there. If it starts heading in a direction you don't want it to, there will always be the option to, yeah, to steer it. Be like, whoa, 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 more to, the, more to this direction, please. Um, but like, I think waiting and ruminating in your head is a safe place to be, but it's not the best place to be to actually get things moving. And, uh, all the time now I'm just like if I finish this video I will learn things from it and I'll be able to start my next video and that kind of mindset helps me to not overthink or get super stressed out about like every single one has to be a creative masterpiece mm -hmm. I'm just like no man like we're not here to make masterpieces we're here to just consistently make videos that once you step back and look at the big picture you can be proud of and so even, yeah, like I said, I still struggle with this constantly where I'll be like, I'm supposed, my friends are like, what are you up to this week? And I'm like, this is the video I'm filming. And the next day I'm like, I don't want to film <laughs> this video. Um, I still have that even now, but I just have a lot of like pep talk things I put myself through to, to start doing it now. To stay yeah. motivated. Yeah. H grind, hustle, get your work done. <laughs> So, like, one of my favorite is, oh my gosh, it's this video that we found back in university. It's, like, a bodybuilding police officer somewhere in the States. Um, 
And there's a video where he like yells all these things to pre-hype himself before he squats like a huge amount of weight. (laughs) He's like so jacked and huge that he can't even put on his weightlifting um, like spandex outfit himself because his biceps can't curl in far enough to like (laughs) drop the the strap on his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, so like he's screaming and these guys are like helping him get his outfit on. So the whole thing is like impressive and also kind of comical and then there's one part where he's like everybody wants to be a bodybuilder but nobody wants to lift this heavy ass weight and me and my friends would say that to each other all the time and even now i'm like i don't mean this literally i don't think everyone wants to be a youtuber but the mantra in my head is like everybody wants to be a youtuber but nobody wants to make these stupid videos and i'll just be like make the video make the video video over and over (laughs) that's true that's honestly true because i really think about it you know we're in 2021 now so many people are doing a creative side projects but i think at the end of the day there's still only going to be a certain percentage of people that are really going to commit to it in the long term and actually see it come out yeah yeah and you kind of just don't know if you will be that person or won't be that person until you literally do it yeah until then you are part of the pie chart that's just like i think about it or i fantasize about it from time to time action every action you take will get you into a smaller and smaller slice of the pie chart that's another one that helps motivate me (laughs) you've been able to create amazing results in every role that you've that you've been in not only just as a student doing dual degrees balancing youtube on top of that doing a full-time job you know building a good relationship with your boss so that when you left it was it was painless it wasn't dramatic or anything i'm quitting (laughs) if you were to attribute one skill that supported you throughout your career what has it been the thing i think that's helped me a lot now that i'm thinking about it i think i arrived at something more concrete is that I embrace that everything is a learning opportunity even if the outcome is not what you would define as success and I think constantly pushing yourself to reframe success as you learned something you grew you benefited from that experience by taking on new information that you can apply in the future that's the thing that helps you stay motivated so that you don't feel too crappy when like things don't go your way uh, because they won't always obviously and uh, if you run into obstacles so I would say like especially now because of social media I think there is a lot even more pressure than usual to feel like everything you do has to be your best foot forward everything you do has to be like polished ready to go ready to present and I think it's that fear or pressure is robbing a lot of people of the growth that could come from just like, just do it so you can gain experience. Like when I first started selling uh, items online through an online shop, I was like, for sure, I'm not going to make a lot of money doing this, but I will learn a lot about taking online orders, shipping and handling, what it's like logistically to like put things through the post office system what it's like to like create little inserts and cards and packaging that is like personal and meaningful to the end consumer. And yeah, like that's helped me to feel more like, oh, this was a worthwhile use of my time. Whereas getting so fixated on like, I really want it to succeed or like, I really want it to turn out like this. 
I think prevents a lot of people from action. So that's what I would say. Just fall on your face and <laughs> you'll discover that it's not so bad. <laughs> get through that puberty. Just just get through puberty. <laughs> yeah. Yes, just like pop out the extra limbs and go for it. <laughs> Wendy, my last question for you. Okay. What would you tell your younger self? Uh, I'm going to assume younger self is like a person in university. Um, and I would say, okay, I think the first thing I would say is like, it's just really hard to describe the amount of creative energy and passion that can come with youth. I'm not saying it goes away as you get older, but there is just a certain type of like overflowingness when you're like man like I can't pull all-nighters like I used to and so I would say while you're like full of the youthful energy sorry to put it in such like a cringy and like um old grandma type of term but like while you've got that life force while you've got people around you who are also like go-getting who are also driven like you should really just lean in on that and go as hard as you can because there really is no better time than now I think I I don't know a lot of great things that have come out of like waiting and waiting and waiting and um first yeah really lean in on that energy because I don't have Uh, strong promises for what your future will be like but I will tell you that you will value sleep more as you get older and then the second thing is um, I would say and this is like a bit more personal and intense I would say it's very important to think about the people you surround yourself with and what type of uh, motivation or encouragement you are able to give to them and they're able to give to you because I've been grateful to have friends who are very motivated people who not only work hard in their careers, but also constantly consider like what is their impact on the world and like what are ways they can serve their community and what are ways that they can love their friends and their family well. And I find in my experience, the friend group you surround with really does determine kind of like the goals and the outlines of where you want to be and what you're setting for yourself. And I'm not trying to tell people, like, ditch your friends if they suck. But, but I'm trying to say, like, there's a there's a way to give to your friends the type of encouragement and energy you would like to see them also feed back to you. And, like, some people are ready to do that. And you all you need to do is, like, start interacting with them that way. Start saying things like, you're my friend. Like, I want to bring out the best in you. I really hope you can challenge me too in bringing out the best in me. Um, that's like taking things to a much more committed level, I think, than casual friendship. But if you find there are friends who aren't helping you, who are detracting you and dragging you down, those are important things to think about. Like, you know, there's a difference between, um, you can still love that friend. You can still care about them, but like now you should recognize if what you want is more motivation, more inspiration, maybe there's a way to like, I don't know, spend more time with other friends who are helping you with that too. 
I really hope this didn't come off sounding like weird and cold hearted because like friends are complicated and, and I have friends who are of all sorts and backgrounds, but I, I just think the people you spend time with, it really does leave an impact on you. And it's good to be intentional about like, what are you giving to your friends? And then also like, what, what kinds of, you? yeah, like what kinds of healthy things are going on? And like, sometimes if it's unhealthy, it means like you should try to see if you and that friend can make things better because like they want a good friendship too. But, um, but if it's not working out, like, I think it's okay too over time that you grow apart. I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> wise words from Wendy. It's a weird piece of advice, but I do stand by it. <laughs> Wendy, I just want to thank you so much for taking some time today to first telling us a little bit about your story to dropping some gems about how you've been able to maintain and consistently, I don't want to say grow in scale, but you know, <laughs> have a profit, ha- have an engaging YouTube channel that's honest, authentic, and and calming that that people enjoy and can continue to come back to over the long term. And on top of that, I think you just gave us some really good life advice in general about what it means to be a good friend, what it means to value relationships outside of your crazy, exciting, creative hustle that you're doing. And Mm -hmm. I just want to say thank you for that. If our listeners don't know who you are, but they like what you're saying, they like your personality, and they want to learn a little bit more about you, where can they find you? Ah, yes. Well, they can find me on YouTube my YouTube channel is with Wendy. It's called that because when I created that username, I had no idea what the heck was going to be on that channel, which you now know. Uh, so with Wendy, and then I'm with Wendy on everything else too, Instagram. I have my own podcast, but I don't know, it still feels like a little baby. So I don't know, if you want to go listen to it, it's called Fortune Cookie. But uh, if you don't want to listen to it, I will not take that personally by any means. Go listen to it. <laughs> Um, yeah. And I don't know if you guys tell me that you came from listening to this podcast, you have questions for me, just let me know. We can chit chat there. And I hope that with whatever thing you're dreaming about, or you're hoping you can achieve in the future, that like, you feel motivated from me and from everyone else Matt's talking to that, like, it's, you just have to start. Don't be so scared. There's like a whole world of people who are just like you also thinking about this thing they want to do. And as soon as you take your steps, you're already putting yourself miles ahead of the people who are still only thinking. So just do it. Well, folks, that's it for Creators Calling. I hope that through these past few weeks, you've gained some inspiration and found some unwavering energy to dive headfirst into whatever you love to do. When I first came to Creators Collective and pitched this idea, I was a little nervous. Uh, this project itself is something new for me, but I wanted to put my perspective out there, no matter how cringy it might be. I'm recording this ending at 1am on a Saturday over reading week, and it now serves as a testament to me putting myself out there and trying something for myself and I can look back and be proud of that not everything has to be artistically perfect I think it's more important just to maintain momentum and 
gather learnings from all the projects that I've done. And I can definitely say that I was able to accomplish that through Creator's Calling. I am wishing you endless inspiration and excitement from whatever you love to do. Here's to the creative generation. For the last time, my name's Matthew Lowe, and I've been your host. Peace out.